Welcome, Camrats, Hive Mice, and Sump Ghoulies, to another thrilling edition of the Unexplained, Mysterious, and Extraordinary. Keeping you up way in the fourth shift, since if you're awake, you can't hear what goes bump in the night. We are 665.66UHMR Camrat Radio. And don't you worry, if it goes screech in the night, it's probably just a vampire bat snake. Not a forearmed emperor. Coming to you live tonight from Bexy's Flackin' Jack. Get your rusty paws on Pony Barrel of Devil's Comet Amasek all week long. As long as I don't have to hear another drunk hiver mistake me for the talent like Kev over here say, Damn girl, am I gonna get in that puss like it's the drop site massacre of Isvan 5? <laughs> And he poured in a storm, my friend. And he poured in a storm. <laughs> poured in a storm. Wow. They never saw it coming. Oh, my God. You know, they never saw it coming. It Sounds was the like pause. somebody's it ready for pause. some docking. <laughs> I am your trail guide through the cosmic twilight of the collective unconscious Goblin King, joined by my co-host, always ready with a compass and map, just in case I get too far off the reservation. Marky. You. The polar bear of the Frost Hollow himself, Chuckerfly, who's here to keep both of us from wandering too far afield. I just want to say, Marky, uh, if you were a, a line or a rail of warp dust, I'd go down on you. <laughs> Thanks, man. It means a lot. <laughs> About. <laughs> oh my god, I can't read the next line. <laughs> About to cut a bitch, unless, of course, they offer up top dollar. It's the Shiv Master of Grift Alley, Emmy. Hey, guys. And the Dancer Extreme, twirling away up on the stage, even if he doesn't have them three titties. It's the Guide to the Infinite of Guesswork, Kev. Actually, um... <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> Funny story. <laughs> Who doesn't have three titties? Actually... <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Kev's over here getting chromed up. Kev, how many push-ups do you have to do for that third one? I'm just wondering, you know? The trick is you have to do halvesies in between. (laughs) Otherwise, you get four. Ah, got it, got it. Well, welcome to Loris Obscurus, episode 15, all about the Mothman. We were going to do a little bit more on the haunted forests, and we were going to focus on the Appalachians. We're going to look at the Appalachian Forest, the Appalachian Trail, and all the things Appalachian, the old gods, all that stuff. If you're familiar with any Americana horror, you probably have heard of the Appalachians and the Ozarks before. Um, Those are two different regions that felt like forests until we started digging into them, and then they felt like regions in and of themselves with a lot of different stories so we're going to approach them not as haunted forests or haunted jungles and we're kind of going to step away for the time anyway from haunted forests and haunted jungles and we figured what better time than the anniversary and i should know the math on this what 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 anniversary what is the anniversary how many you said 1966 1966 and it's 2023, so, so it's 57 years. Is that right? That, that is correct. Right to me. So yeah. the 57th anniversary of the Mothman sighting in 19, between 1966 and 1967. It happened in November. Happened from November 
1966 to December of 1967. So we're bringing it to you in November. We're talking about Mothman. This is our second major cryptid that we've been covering. And um, we've covered, you know, we've talked a lot about, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later. We talked about a couple of other cryptids. We definitely did our Bigfoot series, mm-hmm. but uh, this is, this is our second, this is our second big cryptid. Before we jump into this, Emmy, as our guest tonight, uh, Emmy, if you guys are familiar with any of our shows, is our co-host on Under the Realms of Madness, where we cover Warhammer fantasy lore. Mm-hmm. But Emmy, a rite of passage, if you will. To Loris Obscurus is that we need a haunted story from you. Something that's happened to you, something that's happened to somebody you know, a creepy experience, a ghosty, paranormal, creepy experience that you have uh, uh, had in your life. That is the the barrier. To, that that's the admission cost to a Loris Obscurus event. We're putting you on the spot. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Um. Honestly, I have not had. Until very recently, anything kind of paranormal happened to me. But now that I've moved in to my new apartment, um, in the corner of my bedroom is this little brown Ikea shelf that I put all my minis on. And nothing weird has happened except that my cat just likes to hang out right in that corner. And she just sits like a person up in that corner and I have this wax melt warmer thing and there are days that I do not turn it on and it's just on it's like this this light is this wax melt warmer is always going whether I turned it on or not and my cat just likes to stare at that corner like there's something there freaks me out man (laughs) so might have house goblins House goblins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, dog pass. Tell me more about these house goblins. <laughs> if they ain't paying rent, they getting kicked out. <laughs> they ain't paying rent, they get kicked out. So house goblins. So so a lot of our like folklore tales and, and one of the reasons that we do Loris Obscurus is because we're a lore podcast and lore in Warhammer 40k and Warhammer fantasy battle and all that stuff is very obviously based on the idea of like storytelling and lore in the real world. Mm-hmm. So a lot of folklore that we have comes from Europe. It comes from our ancestors, the, the people who came across the ocean, whether or not they came across the ocean from Europe or whether or not they came across the land bridge and they brought their stories from mm-hmm. um, Africa and Asia with them, depending on which way that they got here, a lot of folklore stories came here. So uh, a kobold in German mythology is a very, very small, about the size of a piece of coal um, and they came in like four or five different varieties. There's a fire one. There's a water one. There's an earth one. Yada yada. Um, the name makes so much more sense when you say it's also the size of coal. And yes, it's German. Yeah, like so they literally. It's basically like a coal monster. Yeah, they're not. They're not lizards or or as Blizzard made them out to be rats with candles on their heads. Kobolds are originally they're zero were just one pieces creatures like, in Magic: The Gathering. They're like so weak. Yeah. They're just little guys. Oh, really? That makes sense. So they would do stuff around the house. Uh, and depending on which type of cobalt you had in your house, it would be positive or negative. So for instance, like the fire cobalt might make you a meal while you weren't paying attention. So, you know, you come home from a long day of working in the field and all of your candles are lit. There, there you go. 
your your burner, your incense, not your incense, your candle burner in the corner is on already. It wasn't supposed mm-hmm. to be. And then there would be like a pot of porridge boiling on, you know, in the for- fire already. Mm-hmm. And it, the the saying was, oh, that's the house cobalt or the can house I goblin. Get, can I oh. get one of those fire ones? I like that. Well, how do I get them out? Um, how do I get rid the of them? How do I get one of those? How do you get it? That's the two sides. It sounds like you just need to like trap it and give it to Chuck. <laughs> There you go, right? So that the opposite side to that is that some of them are very mischievous. And then of course there's brownies, there's sprites, there's a bunch of different like little creatures that are all kind of the same. But the idea of a house goblin is essentially this kind of same idea. So we it, it, to get like a fully mind into goblin? It, a what? A mind goblin? Mind yeah, is that yeah, is that kind of like a mind goblin? A little bit. So that the concept is I, well, are you making a joke? Because there actually is a thing called <laughs> So there's a whole weird thing. Mind you goblin make... these nuts. That's, oh goddamn it, Marky! Oh my <laughs> were you, god, Scotty! Were you waiting for me to be like, "What's a mind goblin?" Yeah, you ruined it. Hey, hey Marky, what's no, a mind goblin? It, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I feel better now. Hey, hey, Marky, what's a dragon? I, I know. You, well, that right, I gave it to you. You should have been like dragging these nuts across your face or something. There's, a, there's another one. Oh my there god. Was, uh, uh, when you go to the supermarket, they you, you go and you weigh your groceries on that thing. Yeah. Uh, okay. what, what, what's the what's the measurement that it's uh, on a scale? It's in uh, pounds. Yeah, yeah. Pound these nuts in your mouth. <laughs> wow, <laughs> oh that God. was a, that was a lead up. There you go. <laughs> I actually didn't know where it was going either. I'm like, uh, I'll play. I'll play. <laughs> So right, I, you should have said kilogram just to fuck with him. I know. I should have. Like, no, 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 the, the American it'd be, one. It'd be like, it'd be like <laughs> kilogram in these nuts in your mouth. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. in these nuts Kilo- in your Kilo- mouth. There you go. That's it. Kilogram in. Uh, <laughs> I'm on a good one tonight. <laughs> all right. So house goblins. So there's this entire idea. And, and it, this would require a deep dive and like research and a bunch of stuff to like explain mm-hmm. better. But very, very briefly, there is this the idea that there is um, an alternate reality to ours known as the Goblin Universe. And the Goblin Universe is this alternate plane, this alternate reality that crosses over with ours every once in a while. And this alternate dimension, alternate plane, whatever you want to call it, is inhabited by things that we would consider ghosts or goblins or gremlins or anything like that. Anything that kind of just minorly messes with you. So... When you put your keys down, when you come into the house and you put your keys down, like in your bowl next to your, you know, your, um, your doorway yeah. or whatever, and then your keys vanish and you can't find them for like several hours. And then you ask somebody to find your, to help you find your keys and they immediately pick them up from the bowl that they've been in the entire time, even though you've looked there a bunch. Yep. Goblins. The idea yep. is that the house goblin took the keys and hid them from you for a little while. Just and it, it's usually, you. just yeah. for fun. Yeah, like and it's, it's usually, not it's not like malicious intent. It's literally just for fun. Yeah, and it's usually a little bit more like prolonged, like your favorite pair of shoes. It's not something you need. It's not something as immediate as like your key, you need your keys to leave the house. You don't need your favorite pair of shoes. You can wear a different pair of shoes. So it's usually a little bit more like that. But like food going missing, the remote going missing for yeah. for those of us who yeah, any of those little things. That's that's actually get called children. Kind of blamed. Well, yeah. House go- I said house goblins. Week. Yeah, children are just house goblins ketchup, from yeah. a crotchal origin. Yeah, they're yeah. crotch goblins. <laughs> crotchal <laughs> origin. 
<laughs> They're overbaked spunk. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Ooh. Careful. If you leave it in there too long, it might start to ferment. <laughs> it grows opinions and arms and you have to feed it. Critical thinking. <laughs> Chuck knows all about that based on his yep. laugh. <laughs> yeah, I do. I know. But, so house goblins are just one of those things. So like a lot of times uh, lights that turn off and on in a room, like it, it's one of those things. It kind of depends on what you believe in. If you believe in like ghost activity or if you prescribe the ghost activity, you'll find ghost activity and stuff. Or if you kind of go with this alternate dimension thing, you'll see this or that and other things. Um, one of the interesting things to me about that is that, uh, and I, I, I tease my partner um, my fiance with this a lot because she and I have always had dogs and the dogs have a tendency to like stop what they're doing and stare into the other room or stare into the corner. And it's always the same corner and they're always like extremely intent. And every time <laughs> she's like, what are you looking at? Like she asks the dog, like, what the hell are you looking at? I always tell her that the dogs are looking at the murdered Victorian children standing in the corner of our room. Oh my God. Like, our house was, <laughs> our house was That's built fantastic. in the 19- 40s so there are no murdered victorian kids here but the last time i told her it was like three in the morning and she's like you can't make jokes like that <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like who says it's a, do- a joke that's literally what the dog is staring at so there you go i mean i i see okay. it too it's the murdered victorian child in the middle of in the corner of the room just staring you know i'm kidding <laughs> um speaking no, of uh children i have uh-oh. a I have a story. I think I, I don't Uh-oh. know if I've shared with you guys or not. Okay. Okay. Hit us. Um, so, uh, j- you know, a little bit, a little bit of history. I- I'm pretty sure I shared this story with you, but I used to have this recurring dream of where I would, uh, fight Chucky. Right. You know, the right. doll. And, uh, I would like lo- long dream short. I would run towards him and start beating the shit out of his face. Right. And then he would bite my hand and I would wake up like he'd catch my knuckle in his teeth mm-hmm. and I'd wake up. Well, I had another Chucky dream <laughs> not so long ago. Did, did he bite something and, else? Wow, Chuck. No, we were fighting in like some kind of room. It was almost like Family Guy style, like just beating oh, the shit like out of chicken? each other. Like when he fights the chicken? Yeah, yeah. Dude, I'm and, envisioning uh, this in my head right now. Yeah. I'm envisioning so, this in my head right now. what I was thinking of when you started. With, with, so, surf, with surf and bird playing in the background? Yeah, right, exactly. And, uh... He got the best of me, and I tripped, and I remember laying flat, and uh, I don't know how or where he got it from, but he had a jar of acid that he was about like pouring on my, uh, like about to pour on my face slowly, and as as he was tipping it over, I woke up, and when I woke up, someone was above me with their hand in my face in the same position that Chucky had that acid jar. So oh I, man! So I grabbed that arm. Oh no! And was about <laughs> and to the murder man across the room. And was about to murder my wife because apparently I was moving a lot in this dream. Damn! And she was trying to wake me up or see if I was okay. And so I grabbed her arm extremely wow. hard. <laughs> and uh, now she doesn't wake me up anymore. <laughs> she. Uh, She's like, I've never seen you look at me that way. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good thing. If you ever do see me look at you that way, you probably did something wrong. <laughs> like try to smother me with acid in your, my sleep, man. Exactly. The, only, the only people that see that look out of my eye are the people that that's the last thing they see. Yeah, it was, uh, 
It was a little Sent intense. Sent Marky to a dark place. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to be able to fall asleep very quickly. Uh, she is not. <laughs> so I fell back asleep, and then later in the morning, she's like, I couldn't sleep after that. And I was like, I slept just fine. I don't no, don't put your hand in my face when I'm sleeping. I don't know. <laughs> she was trying to wake you up, man. She so was. I, yeah, I, I felt bad. I felt horrible. I have sleep paralysis, which I'm pretty sure I've mentioned. I, I'm pretty sure we've talked about it more than once on the show. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I I scream in my sleep. Well, to me, I'm screaming in my sleep. But to my partner, she just hears like whimpering and she knows what's going on and she wakes me up. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, it's uh it's it's it can be startling. The first couple of times somebody else wakes you up when you're having like a nightmare, it's definitely a startling experience. Even, you know, well-intentioned oh, or yeah, not. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's crazy how uh how feelings can carry over after dreaming. Like if you have like uh those uh at least for me, I don't know if it's if it happens like this for you guys, but like if if someone that a loved one dies in my dreams, like I kind of have like a bummed out day. Like my day just oh, yeah. kind of is bummed out, and like oh, I kind of have that feeling. Like, well, because you act like it, your dream, you experienced that. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Like whether or not it's real, you know, quote unquote real. Right. It was real to you in that moment. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's just a little, a little weird. I've never like woke up and started beating my wife or anything. Just <laughs> full disclosure. <laughs> Just, just gonna lay that, that, out, lay that there. out there. Just so everybody yeah. knows, I actually I actually enjoy my dreams and my nightmares because I don't get them very often. But when I do, like it's like it's usually like a week straight. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, it's you know movie night. It's kind of how I see it. I don't know if For it's sure. a little psychotic, but I I enjoy my dreams, especially when they're uh, when you have those lucid dreams that you can kind of mm-hmm. control. And, like you can kind of do yeah, stuff. Those are fun. Uh, I have a lot of dreams about. Most of mine are those, and yeah, really engineering when I get stuff, and that's fun. Huh. It's not because it's so, always related to work. It's always crunching numbers oh, and like work uh, stuff. It's not like designing get... a spaceship or something. No, yeah. it's all it's all like it's all categor categor bleh, categorical signs of approaching burnout. Like when mm. you oh yeah, yeah your dreaming time is spent dealing with work stuff. Yeah, your brain a couple can't of those, turn off, suck. and it's just yeah. Yeah, the hardest thing that I've found to do in dreams is fly. There's only a few mm-hmm. dreams that I've actually like successfully to how Captured I wanted that ability. Yeah, like a lot of the time, it's almost like a fly, and then you're like, "Oh, I gotta land." And then fly, and oh, I gotta land. Mm-hmm. But there's been a couple dreams. Uh, I I don't know if you guys have the same experience. But no, no, my, my dreams dream. have all been crushed. <laughs> Thanks, a lot Chuck. of my a lot of my dreams. Like oddly enough, involve not being able to stop a car. I have that dream a lot. Like that brakes don't work or the brakes work yeah. but the car doesn't stop. That happens to me a lot. And a lot Ooh. of those feel very real. Like when I wake up, I legitimately feel that like I've been in a car accident for like the first five minutes. Yeah. Like and the it, adre- it goes the adrenaline's away, gone. Yeah. That's crazy. So you've had no other like ghost spooky uh, cryptid based experiences. You've never been followed by something weird in the woods. You dropped the bomb on us a couple of episodes ago, Emmy, that your parents own quite a bit of land in either Montana yes. or Wyoming, in, right? In the wilds. Yeah, in the, like in the middle Wisconsin, of nowhere. Wisconsin, in the middle of nowhere, okay. Wisconsin. Yep. 
Nice. I don't know. Sometime we should go out there and just fully like Zach Bagans it with like the digital recorders. See if we um, can't catch some ghosts yeah, on camera. Have a little Blair Witch camp out. Like get one of those things that like, you know, that that makes them say words like that reads through the dictionary and like the radio transmitter. You know, just see what they're saying. <laughs> or just have, a, <laughs> just have a skilled audio editor. Mm hmm. That can change whatever garbage you record to sound like words. Yeah. Now sponsored Sorry, by Blue Apron. <laughs> right, right. Use code under the hive. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. It'll be really great. You've actually never had like a weird experience. Like, I kind of feel like you, you bury the lead here. You're like, oh yeah, nothing's ever happened. We should totally Ugh. go to this place that's not haunted at all. But in the back of your head, you're like, they're <laughs> okay. she's no. like these guys are going to fuck she's there, like, was one time, <laughs> she's, there was one she's time. She's like, I'm not going to let you guys know what my parents are actually into. Uh-oh. So we have this little like <laughs> fire pit area. It's um maybe 50 to 100 feet from the house. It's in this little okay. clearing and it's sort of like we have some chairs around it and some sticks if you want to poke a marshmallow or whatever you know country shit and one time we were out there just enjoying some bonfire time and it it legit at one point there was just the sensation of me being bit hard on the shoulder i turn around there's nothing there um no, so like there was like, that like full-on mouth or like insect like a mouth like a oh that's freaky you know and see i don't know like if I like ghost or something maybe i just had a muscle spasm at that moment nah no nah, i would, have, I would have straight nah. peed myself <laughs> no nah, nah. no i nah. was i freaked nah. out and then everyone you know <laughs> my you? brother and all his friends were like eh, whatever you're just making there, stuff up was there any any bruising there any there any bruising on your shoulder afterwards or scratches no but it was the summer that i got lyme disease oh wow there you go giant you got, tick walked wow up. Mm -hmm. yeah you got eaten by a giant tick so I've, I've dealt with my fair share of ticks and that's always kind of been like a, Spooky tick. a back a background <laughs> mm -hmm. that's always been kind of a background fear was that like i mean i i don't mean to pry but how awful was that I mean, there's like 48 hours. I just don't remember. Damn. And Damn. then they gave me like the antibiotics lime? and they were like, if you don't take one of these for the next like once a day for the next month, half your face could just be paralyzed. So like, I don't have the chronic oh, wow. one. Jesus. It was like an acute one and I had to take a shit ton of antibiotics, but. Right. How come you right. just didn't eat a bunch of, uh, what was it? A bunch of oranges and start talking like a pirate. Is that a thing that you can do for like, oh. That's scurvy. scurvy. That's scurvy. That's different. He 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 was making a lime. Disease. He was making a lime disease joke, oh and it God. took me a minute to get that he was making a oh lime. God. That's the dad. That's the dad of the podcast, right there. There you go. I don't get. Fun, I, fun. I don't do dad jokes that often, but but you're welcome. Fun fact: the lime Is was lime the cure for scurvy. Yeah, and. Uh, I'm connected. That's how Limey's got the slang. Yep. Oh, really? Oh, yep. Interesting. Because <laughs> the Americans didn't have, didn't do it. The, the American sailors didn't do it. It was a, it was a British thing. Interesting. There were, there's two different types of lime. Well, there's a couple of different types of like Lyme disease, but yeah, one of them, one of them's the one where like, 
one of the side effects is you can't eat meat anymore for the, like red meat anymore for the rest of your life. Like there's weird shit. That yeah. Can happen. I heard there was a mosquito distributing that in Texas. And yeah. I was yeah. like, that is like the worst place on the planet for that to be spread. Like those people are going to lose their fucking mind. But you can't have barbecue mind. anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's horrible. So it's I mean, like can, that to a Texan, but... like they're just going to go kill themselves. You you can have barbecue, <laughs> but it's going to be squashed. <laughs> exactly. Could you imagine telling Hank Hill that? Like, <laughs> right? Like you can't eat meat anymore, Hank Hill. Well, well, I might as well die. I just want a picture Whoa. of a god. Dang hot dog! <laughs> All right, so I got a. Uh, what are you gonna oh, say? Oh, I got I got a recent spooky one. Oh, you do. You want to you want to do it now, or do you want to do it Ooh. after we do the Ordo Obs- oh, Obscurus? Do, do do the Ordo Obscurus first. Okay. All right. All right. So as we do, folks, we're gonna jump into an Ordo Obscurus file that we have prepared for you, and then we will uh, we'll do a couple more spooky tales, and we will talk about the Mothman himself. But Emmy, as our um, resident tech priest cosplayer i'm gonna have you take over the the tech priest duties from kev this episode okay Ooh. we got ordo obscurus file sw0138 vox cogitator net access ordo obscurus inquisitorial archive segmentum obscurus dunwich sub classification magenta File number OMDD Carsec SW0138 Ordo Malius Drake Destina Object Class Malius Euclid Disruption Class Low Risk Inquisitorial Containment Procedures SW0138 is a mysterious entity referred to as the Warp's Whisperer and is believed to be a warp-based being with connections to the immaterium, although it has never shown any indication towards or a strong connection with any of the known ruinous powers. SW038 has proven near impossible to contain, banish, or defeat, as it is an anomalous ability to traverse both the physical and warp space at the same time. Sightings, however, seem to occur in clusters of events within the Carcosan sector, normally acting as a herald to some oncoming warp event, such as warp storms or the reemergence of any number of space hulks that have had a history of appearing within the Dunwich subsector. Quarantine procedures, as dictated by Ardo Malleus, are to establish a blockade of any planet with more than 13 sightings of SW0138. All subjects are to be gathered and isolated to undergo interrogation. Those attempting to enter or exit any quarantine zones are to be eliminated with extreme prejudice. Shadow breakers are to be employed to enforce planet-side blockade efforts, although in extreme cases, the Grey Knights have been called in. It isn't uncommon for clustered cases to center around the sites of future natural or civil disasters, such as the collapse of Hive Kesserich's Spire spaceport in 876.m40, which led to the deaths of nearly 40 million people. In rare cases, those who have been witness to these sightings begin to show stigmata of the warped whisperer in the form of black feathers, black scales, and even vestigial wings. While the taint of chaos corrupts these unfortunate souls, twisting them into a bizarre shadow of the creature itself, they show no signs of being connected to any of the known dark powers. Entire districts have still been lost to riots and wars over dedication to this figure, however, and swift action is needed whenever sightings occur 
or this end is almost inevitable. Quarantines last as long as they need to, but as the entity has never been seen in more than one location at a time and never for more than six solar months at any given time, they are eventually relaxed. While cleansing actions are needed in some cases, most detainees can be released after a sufficient observation period, although they are often continuously tracked by the ecclesiarchy, arbites, and administrator marshals for as many months afterward to ensure their adherence to the continuing imperial truth. Description brief. SW0138 is a 12-foot-tall, slender, humanoid entity covered in black scales and feathers, with a set of massive bat-like wings sprouting from its back, giving it a wingspan of close to 25 feet. Red eyes sit in a flat, wide head nearly as wide as its shoulder width, which protrudes forward on a serpentine-like neck. While it has never been observed attacking anybody, its mouth is full of razor-sharp things with lower-pronounced upper and lower canines. SW0138 is known to manifest near areas with high levels of warp activity, often preceding major warp rift openings or other significant warp-related events. The entity's appearance is accompanied by an intense feeling of foreboding and the manifestation of warp anomalies, such as temporal distortions and reality fluctuations. Civil and natural disasters also commonly follow the Warp's Whisperer's appearance on planets it is sighted on. Whether this is a result of its ability toward prophesizing events or a side effect of the coming Warp anomalies, it is unknown. Ordo Obscurus savants have recorded more than 300 encounters with the Warp's Whisperer, each coinciding with incursions from the Warp. This has led to speculation that SW0138 may be a natural occurrence of the warp rather than an entity attached to any of the ruinous powers. It seems to act as a harbinger of disaster as well as accurately predicting coming warp anomalies. Most commonly, the resurgence of one of any ten designated space hulks. To date, no communication attempts made with SW0138 have proven successful. The entity is either incapable of communication with humanity or chooses not to. Most of those who have had encounters with SW0138 report brief interactions, a feeling of overwhelming dread, and the need to run. While some heretics have gone on to worship the entity itself and form cults to it, these are rare and extreme reactions. In some cases, a secondary entity, SW0138-1, has been observed before or around the entity's appearance. SW0138-1 appears to be a large feline similar to a Grinx or other psychoactive feline species and is noted to have an unnerving Cheshire cat grin. SW0138-1 also has the ability to communicate telepathically and verbally. Although how the feline vocal cords can mimic human speech is unknown, this is a temporal warp entity and any attempt to capture, contain, or destroy it has met with little to no success. While the entity's Cheshire Cat grin is extremely unnerving, it has proven to almost be entirely harmless and more curious about those encounters than anything else. Any deeper connection to SW0138 remains unknown. Ordomalia's standard operating procedure is to observe and maintain distance, gleaming any information from SW0138 appearance as can be. All non-inquisitorial personnel and civilians who come in contact with SW0138 are to be detained immediately for interrogation by Ordo Malleus, Ordo Hereticus, or Ordo Xenos personnel. 
Under approved circumstances, interrogations can be performed by Adeptus Arbides personnel or Administratum Martial personnel. Under no circumstances are unauthorized personnel to attempt to engage with or speak to the entity. Inquisitorial Notes Transcription of Events These are from the personal logs of Inquisitor Drake Destina. I first encountered the entity known as SW0138 on the Hyperion world of Galexis 6. My investigation into the Middenhive food riots and their potential connection to the forces of the ruinous power known as Nurgle led me to the discovery of a minor cult known as the Black Swan. Upon initial investigation, it seemed that this cult, the Black Swan, would have had potential ties to another ruinous power, that known as Slanesh. However, it soon became evident that this cult wasn't following any known or cataloged rituals or sacraments known to have connections to either of these dark powers. The effigies that they built in support of this power or entity didn't follow known or cataloged effigies to Slanesh or anything else nor did they possess any known or catalogued relics of these dark powers. It was at this point that my investigation shifted to determine where this cult's true loyalties and intentions might lay. We discovered, to my horror and great surprise, that an infestation of insects similar to those of ancient Terran locusts were actually to blame for the food riots. These insects had consumed a great quantity of the imported food stocks on Midden Hive. It was simply a convergence of random chance that had brought me to Galexis 6 in time to discover this seemingly mundane explanation. As I came to understand, however, SW0138 was far more connected to all of these events than any of us could have guessed. My investigation determined that while the Black Swan cult wasn't directly connected to any of the known dark powers, they had grown in power and influence to a point where they couldn't have been left to local authorities alone to clean up. During our operations to eradicate these heretics, we came into contact with SW0138-1, who eluded all of our attempts at capture, but did prove to be a valuable resource of information. It was through a long set of conversations with this entity that I became aware of the impending return of the Orc Space Hulk Ekrix Tears, a prophecy I originally completely discounted until the Space Hulk did in fact arrive back in the Hyperion system. It was only later, during our mopping up operations, that it became clear that many of the Black Swan cultists had been in contact with SW0138, known as the Warp Whisperer, for months. Special Addendum High Savant Investigation Notation I have tracked down and cataloged over 102 sightings of SW0138 in the preceding solar decade. In each case, these sightings preceded a warp anomaly directly. In over 88% of these cases, some natural or civic disaster followed. This matter will require much more of my research over the coming months. Expect a follow-up report, Inquisitor. End log, Cogitator Net 343.99.m41. Inquisitorial Archive, Segmentum Obscurus, Dunwich Sub, Vox Cogitator, Net Access, Terminated. I went a little bit lighter this time on the um, Ordo Obscurus to leave it a little bit more open. Uh, we are definitely hoping that some of our listeners, especially those of you guys who have written stories for us before and are super into this stuff, to 
this is one. If you want to grab it and expand it, let us know. We will definitely share it up. And obviously, Discord, Patreon, there's a bunch of ways to get in contact uh, with us that we'll cover later. <laughs> I think you can make some cool cultists and uh, mm-hmm. the actual models using Warcry stuff. Oh, yeah. I, I had that thought. And then the other thought that I had at the Black Swan cult was a, directly from the movie Black Swan as um, Natalie Portman kind of starts to lose her mind and she like feels that she's growing feathers and wings and everything. And that's, that's literally like what happens to these cultists. That's how the stigmata of the Mothman, the Warps Whisperer, presents itself on their bodies. So I was like, oh, I can play with that. That's cool. We kind of want a lot, a lot like SCP. We kind of would like to see those of you guys who listen and those of you guys who are part of our community kind of help us expand the Loris Obscurus, um, Ordo Obscurus files. We've got some rules on how to write them and all of that, which you can find in our Discord. And uh, yeah, if you guys expand one of the ones that we've already written or write one for us yourselves, we will totally read it on the show. Trying Love to do to. some voices. <laughs> yeah, come mm-hmm. up, come up with character. If you wanna, if you want us to try to voice out a character for one of them, just give like put a little hint to what do you think it would be or something. So that way, yeah. Mm-hmm. At some point, Kevin's gonna have to do the the, the Ukrainian uh, slash Russian, the Eastern Bloc commissar who's doing like a side report and addendum. <laughs> <laughs> it is ugly planet. Bug planet, <laughs> a planet inhospitable to Imperial Guard. Yet here we are, dying man for man with these insect scum. <laughs> Love it. Well, as at we least insect scum, not decadent capitalist. <laughs> worst, worst enemy, capital. And speaking of uh, insect scum, before we jump into our coverage on all things. Mothman, probably one of my favorite cryptids. Chuck, you said you had a, an ongoing ghost story. Is this something related to your house or is this a... Oh, no, no, no. no. This, this is not an experience to the that house. happened to Rugen, this, isn't it? This, well, let's just say Rugen moved to a, a new place up up in a mountainous area. Perfect. And we, and we work together, so, you know, he, he makes me lunch, I drive him home. So... It's it's a rural area and uh, you know it's paved, but ba- banjo uh, music, banjo music, rural? not not quite. <laughs> but okay. um, you know it, it's one of those places where most neighbors keep themselves. And as you go up the paved road before you get to his place, there's a dirt road that goes off the other direction. And apparently, people live out that way. So it was near sunset, and I was like, dude, let's go check it out. And Matt's like, uh, okay. So we turned down the road. Not very far down it, uh, he got very uneasy and felt, uh, felt, felt some palpitations in his chest. He told me to turn around. So I turn around, and as we're driving back out, we notice there's oddly stacked rocks. On the embankment, like when people do like the the rock stacking thing on like hiking trails. No, it's it's in the hill. It's like rocks that somebody stacked in the hill. Weeds have grown in it and everything. As soon as we drove past that, Rugen goes, "Man, I feel a lot better." A few days later, we're driving along that same road. All of a sudden, now there's a boulder on one side of the road, 
it looks like somehow somebody chipped the top of the boulder off and put it on the other side of the road. And it wasn't Holy there shit. before. And it wasn't there before, but it's there now after we drove back down that way. Yeah, that's a little creepy. So I'm not quite sure if this would be the same area, but, and I'm, I'm almost positive I've never told this story. Uh, I used lake. to, maybe it is the same area. So I used to deliver, <laughs> I, I used to have a job delivering newspapers. Uh, I know n- newspapers, so passe, uh, but newspapers were a thing that used to exist <laughs> and they used to be in places. Um, and I delivered newspapers with a buddy of mine. We would get into either his CRX or my CRX and we would drive the back roads of Pretty much the entire like northern San Diego County, almost Riverside County area, delivering mm-hmm. newspapers to these really, really, really rural like houses and communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're talking like Temecula and like that back end, like back by the r- reservation. Essentially, yeah, basically. Yeah. Like we we started the warehouse that we picked everything up of in was in like northern Fallbrook. And then we just like, like essentially went north. Oh, northern Fallbrook. I was I was thinking the like way out um, back behind Vista, almost in San Marcos. They've got it, but that's a post office, not a newspaper. Yeah, this this was just like this was like I, it was North County Times, which I don't even think exists anymore. It was it was mm-hmm. back in the day, back Damn, in the day. That so is we're, old. We're delivering these newspapers, and like if you've ever worked a newspaper delivery route, you deliver newspapers at like three or four in the morning. You pick mm-hmm. up newspapers at like one one thirty. You drive to the area that your route is in and then you deliver papers and you get paid a set amount of money. So if you deliver the papers in your route in like 50 minutes, the amount of money that you make per hour is really good. (laughs) And that's what we did. We went and delivered newspapers really early in the morning and then we did a couple of other odd jobs and then basically like sold weed to get by um, for the rest of the time. (laughs) This is like... Early, yeah, allegedly. This is like early college. This is before I became a little bit more calmed down and started doing uh, other work more seriously. But uh, we're out there delivering papers. We're going through these back roads, and like all of it is, it's literally you're in the middle of nowhere. There are these back roads. There's almost no streetlights and all of that. We came around a turn. Um, I think he was driving, and it's really it was really foggy because it gets really foggy a lot in that area. And we came around a turn and our headlights hit a body, like a puddle of water that was stretching across the street. And because of that, the fog on the other side lit up like bright white. And in that moment where the fog lit up super bright light and the reflection, we both saw like 15 people standing in the middle of the road facing us. Oh, that's and, creepy as fuck. And he slammed on the brakes, like very obviously. So we slam on the brakes. Oh, yeah. We come to a stop in the puddle of water. Headlights are still at this point now directly illuminating the fog. And there are still these people standing in front of us. And as we watch, they like slowly fade away as if they're backing up and getting further away. So being that, you know, we're freaked out, adrenaline's going high, but it's also our job and a bunch of other things. Our two dumbasses get out of the car to see if these people need help. So we walk forward. And we've got our flashlights out and we're calling out and being like, hey, you know, we didn't mean to like scare you or whatever. Like, you know, I, like, are, are we crossing a ranch? Like, are we allowed to be here? You know, this is just a road that we drive every night. And we've never encountered it. We're doing that whole like, 
we're we're freaked out and mad, but also worried that we may have almost hurt somebody. Like whatever that weird intersection of like feelings is, um, we get about 15 feet up the embankment into the fog on the road. And the car behind us goes from blaring heavy metal music with all the lights on to being completely dead. Like like alien invasion or alien abduction levels oh, of just power cutage. Dude, so you're we, giving me goosebumps. Just like <laughs> I'm like imagining that. Like fuck. I would be <laughs> Oh yeah. So we, we book it back to the car. And as we're booking it back to the car, both of our flashlights die. <laughs> oh my god! So, like you couldn't have scripted that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was literally that moment. So we get in the car, we slam the doors, we lock everything. Old Honda CRXs. It was like a 1988 or 1989 Honda CRX. So it's a hatchback. Everything autom- Everything has mechanical locks. There's nothing like electronic to the lock. So we slam the doors, lock the car, windows up. He starts trying to turn the engine over. Um, I think we were stuck out there for about 45 minutes. Oh my God. And this was in an era where like everybody had a Nokia brick phone. So we had a phone, but we were not in a, I, I highly doubt this area over by, over by the res, Kevin, like, like kind of over by like Pachanga. I doubt it even has signal now. I I would be surprised. It probably does not. Yeah, and certain so those, areas will and certain areas those, won't. Like you could go around people, a corner and lose signal. Those people, so you're telling me they just disappeared. The one hundred percent there were no people out there. Oh my god. Ooh. Even when we got the car to start like thirty minutes later, by opening the hood and messing, like doing all the mm. things you do when your car isn't starting. Jiggling the wire um, on the terminal. Yeah, we finally got everything on and uh, lights came back on and we drove up into the area and we did not encounter a how normally we bombed through and th- this is kind of on us for being dumb like young adults slash teenagers, we normally bombed through this area doing like 90 miles an hour because both of our CRXs were kind of tweaked to do rally stuff. Mm-hmm. If you guys have heard me talk about rolling a CRX nine times, it was it was that it was era of my life. Um, it wasn't, the I rolled my CRX, rolled CRX, not CRX, and CRX. die is Roll pretty cage. impressive though. Hey, okay. They, they matter. <laughs> put, put that out for our listeners. I know we're not we're not a motorsports podcast or anything, yeah. but I'm I'm a first generation Braptivist, and uh, yeah. I believe in roll cages. Yeah, roll roll cage <laughs> five point racing harness. Uh, there are yeah. reasons I survived. There are reasons the car survived to to do it nine more times. I didn't right? roll the car nine times. I rolled the car, comma nine times. <laughs> oh, oh, that's that is a different. Yeah. Damn. So new, new, new <laughs> wheels, new engine. Uh, yeah, we were, we were pretty big gearheads late high school. Uh, we did a lot of dumb, like rally racing stuff. I actually kind of wanted to do that for a while. I thought that would be a really cool job. Oh yeah. Um, I would have loved to do that, but none the of my United friends States, were into it. Yeah. And then the United States government taught me how to like defensively tactically drive, um, which only made all of my desire to do dumb shit in cars more. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, so that that's my weird. And and Chuck, your story reminded me of the the disappearing people. And I have a feeling you guys were kind of in the same area. No, <laughs> I might be wrong. Further south. Near another gotcha. near another casino and another res, but yeah. Yeah. I I had a friend who lived way up on a hill. She was a super religious like family and everything. Uh, she lived way up on a hill off of uh, castle castle rock which is like the other side of gopher canyon there's oh, this mountain yep. 
that's just yep, like yep. alone. And there's a house on top of that mountain. And she lived in that house. Oh, you know, what's crazy is my wife and I drove on the 15 and uh-huh. you can see that house from the 15. Yep. Yep. And we're like, man, if the apocalypse ever happens, sorry, but I'm taking that house. <laughs> yep. So, so they are, I don't know if they still own it or still live there, but they are ultra religious. And there are a couple of times that I went up there that like my car randomly died and I had to like coast down the hill and just weird. There is, there's some transition between the the freeway essentially and the top of that mountain where like weird electrical shit would happen in cars too. Nothing as extreme as this. It was usually like, I think I'm only drawing connections in retrospect. Like during the time I was just like, oh, right, of course I have a shitty car that I break all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now that I think about it, it happened way You're too like, often. That's weird. It always happened when I drove by a church. <laughs> yeah. 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 Her, her family, her family was pretty cool. She, uh, she and I got relatively close. Um, and I honestly think one of the only reasons that our relationship didn't go anywhere is I was already super witchy at the time and there was no way I was going to conform mm-hmm. to like new age Be Protestantism. <laughs> it was not right. going to happen. <laughs> Southern baptism was not in my future, but they had like 25 chinchillas. That's the other thing I remember about their house. A lot of chinchillas. Fucking chinchillas, right? I mean, like, who knew? And chinchillas are the ninjas of the natural world. I swear to God. They they're have so much adorable. fucking energy. God, they're they're... I wonder if Pikachu is based on a chinchilla. I'm putting that out there. I think it's based on a pika. Is that a chinchilla in Japanese? (laughs) It's like a little marmot thing. I think it's like some kind of marmot-like little chunky rodent. Because I remember like seeing an interview with the the guide. Like he based them all off of animals. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Chunk, the, the original moment. ones like it's the, called a, the, a pika not the trash bag yeah oh, pika p-i-k-a yeah look at the little guy like how cute is that holy shit that's fucking adorable i need one of those look at him are they like the size of a rabbit jesus like no little. it looks like a, a corgi as a rabbit it does look like a corgi rabbit. <laughs> you, you know, they're like probably... rodent creatures, but oh my god, they're cute. It's adorable. I want, I want ten. You know what probably swoops like, down and eats things like that? The Mothman. Every bird. I was gonna say all the hawks that live in our backyard. The number of times I, I like how out, you switch back to Mothman. Mothman right, swoops down and good. eats them. He, he's good sometimes <laughs> at redirecting us when we get off track. Uh, the number of times, especially this time of year, that I go outside and I have to like I'm walking the dogs and I have to stop and bring the dogs back inside and then go outside with a bag to collect what's left of rodents is mm. yeah. Know, we're on a half acre, so birds treat our uh, our yard like a buffet. <laughs> oh, I'm mm. sure. All right. But at the same time, you also probably don't have rodent problems. We don't. We don't. We do have lots of shrews. And like hmm. huh. shrews are not really comp. Like this is the only place that I've really encountered like lots of shrews. Shrews and voles are, are shrews like uh, something between a mole rat and a weasel. No, they're kind of like weird mice. Okay, I, on that on that vein, all those grubs that I was pulling out of my garden, I pulled a <laughs> pile like that out every day since I posted that picture. <laughs> And you continued to quote Starship Troopers, I hope. <laughs> oh, I did. I did. But now I have made peace offerings with the crows. There you go. Oh. They now they now know me. I go outside and I hold up a cup full of them. And then I dump there it on go. the ground. And as I hold up the cup, they all come swooping in and landing around. <laughs> Our neighbors have chickens. And every time I have an insect problem, I'm like, you can just let them come into my yard. <laughs> you want to just uh, yeah, let, them, let them run around for a little while. Just, just let them eat all the crickets. 
All right. Yeah. So speaking of creepy crawlies and things that go bumpish in the night, our main, the night. <laughs> our main man of the evening is the Mothman. You can't have a conversation about cryptids without bringing up a list of the heavy hitters, the cream of the crop, the top contenders. We already did a short series on Bigfoot, tying the tales of Sasquatch, Yeti, and Skunk Ape later into our coverage of the missing 411 of the United States National Park System. We also covered the Jersey Devil, at least in brief, when we talked about the haunted Pine Barrens of New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Even the Chupacabra and the Loch Ness Monster, or creatures like Nessie, have been mentioned a few times, at least in passing in past Loris Obscurus episodes. But it's far past time that we look at one of the other top dogs of the cryptid world, arguably the most famous, although some on this podcast would contest that it's between him and Bigfoot. And um, he's not here tonight, but I'm sure, I'm positive that Beast would argue with me as to who holds the number one spot. I think However, Nessie is up there, though. Nessie's Everybody sure knows about there. Nessie. Here's my reason. In terms of media created, Mothman has a deep hold on folklore of the United States, including a 2002 movie, The Mothman Prophecies, which starred Richard Gere, Laura Lenny, and Will Patton. And he gets his own annual festival every year in Point Pleasant. And as to where Nessie and Bigfoot have their own movies, they're not movies that you attach names to. <laughs> but Nessie has a place and I've been. Ne Nessie the whole also, town is all about Nessie all the time. <laughs> well, and that's that's actually Point Pleasant in um in, West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia. It's the exact oh, same thing. Everything okay. is Mothman all the time. There's there it is just a isn't named foot... like Mothman. So that's where you get those I get suck Mothman's dick shirts. Yeah. Uh, There's a 12 okay. foot Mothman statue mm -hmm. um, outside of City Hall. <laughs> what? Yep. That's cool. Yes. I'll bring okay. it, I'll bring up a picture. Okay. okay. I mean, then I'd say all three are pretty much the trifecta of big hitters. Nessie is also an interesting one because like, and, and I don't know if you guys know this, but in our area we have Haji or well, in the area that I'm from that you guys still live near, we have Haji and Lake Hodges, which is basically just Nessie. Any yeah. body of water, the lake name, and then take the lake name and add E at the end of it. And you've got a lake monster. Um, yeah. We even have a lake monster here in the Midwest that's in the Raccoon River. I can't remember it. It's probably mm. Racky. I can't remember its name, but the Raccoon River has a has a lake, quote unquote, lake monster. So it's it's interesting. We also in the in Iowa have a Mothman like creature that we will probably talk about in a future episode. Oh. But yeah, who was, or what? I was going to ask: what? Are there other similar Mothman creatures? To help push Mothman being very top crypto. There there are a lot of Mothman style critters that are around, but one of the things that makes Mothman the top cryptid, and he does top a lot of the lists, is that there is one Mothman. Like Sasquatch, there are like 70 different ones. There's like yeah. 12 different species. Nessie, yeah, Sasquatch and Bigfoot is like a collective. Yeah. Net Nessie is, is a named lake monster, but there are a lot of yeah. different lake monsters that are all kind of described as being plesiosaurs. Oh. Mothman is kind of a singular thing. It's like Ronald there, McDonald. There is the Mothman. 
Yeah, like back in the 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 80s 70s they had like several regional ronald mcdonald's so there'd be like the pacific northwest one and the east coast one but then they were like look there's inconsistencies in the height in the mannerisms we're just doing one guy and we're flying him around everywhere so you can actually find those benches i don't know if you guys remember the benches that ronald mcdonald was the like McDonald's benches into. that have ronald on them yeah, yeah. you can find them mm-hmm. in like old like uh what are they what are they called like salvage yards and they mm-hmm. are fucking freaky yeah, they're really creepy looking. Abandoned Ronald McDonald benches are like Ugh. peak horror. <laughs> yeah, that's, they're awesome. That's so spooky dooky. Right? Mm-hmm. All right. But who or what is the Mothman? So the Mothman is a humanoid creature seen in the Point Pleasant area, Mason County, West Virginia, between November 16th, 1966 and December 15th, 1967. The first report was published in the Point Pleasant Register, a local newspaper, on November 16th, 1966. And this is probably one of my favorite titles I have ever read. Couples see man-sized bird, creature, something. Then the national press picked up the story. And from here is basically how we got the legend to spread all over the United States. Skeptics have pointed out that these original sightings have a lot in common with large birds, from large owls to possibly a sighting of the sandhill crane or other herons. We'll talk about the sandhill crane in a little bit, what it looks like. However, keep in mind that this would be out of season for these animals, and most would have already migrated well before this. We're talking like mid-October. This mm-hmm. the, the area that Point Pleasant is in is right across the river from Ohio. Like the The Silver Bridge, the bridge that is known for collapsing after the Mothman sightings, bridges West Virginia and Ohio. So this is not a warm area. Okay. Gary Baker, who is a well-known writer on the subject of UFOs and the paranormal, published The Silver Bridge in 1970, which is still considered to be one of the best sources of the original sightings. Baker is also known as the first researcher on the scene of both the Flatwoods Monster and the Mothman cases. He is known for his eloquent writing style and came to national attention for his They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers, which set the standard for reports on the infamous Men in Black. And don't worry, guys, Men in Black and Black-Eyed Children will be the subject of future Loris Obscurus episodes coming in 2014. We are getting real close to jumping... uh, Jumping the line into wait, ufologist wait, wait, territory. Wait, you wait, just said wait. 2014. Are we going back in time to 2014? Yeah. Did I say yeah. 2014? Yeah. yeah. This pod. This you're, podcast is a trend. You're traveler. a man. You're 2024. A man <laughs> I am a man. You're a man in black. black. <laughs> I had too much hair, but I anyway. can't wait to listen to more of my favorite bands, the Lumineers and Monsters of Men. <laughs> <laughs> You know, as much as you guys are making fun of me, Blink-182 just released a new song. 30 Seconds to Mars just released a new song. Gerard Way is talking about releasing a new song. (laughs) 2011 is a year away, guys. (laughs) Actually, what's funny is on that same vein, Nero just dropped a new song. (laughs) Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it all comes in waves. That's crazy. 
In the novel, The Silver, I'm sorry, in the book, not the novel, in the book, The Silver Bridge, Baker explores the murky physiological depths of life in the Ohio Valley and West Virginia during the late 1960s. So part of the book covers just how bleak and how weird life was in this area. This is kind of one of those areas. Like we mentioned the Ozarks and we've mentioned the Appalachians because we're going to cover them here real soon. Those are both also just really weird areas. They're areas with a lot of like I, good old boys isn't really the right word mm-hmm. to describe it, but but essentially like I don't know Ill the word folk. I'm looking for, but like yeah, like old hill folk. Yeah. Um, just these really old embedded populations of people who have big connections. People? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hill and valley people. Yeah, yeah. So he explores this time period connection to the original Mothman sightings, even as he attempted to get inside the Mothman's head and let us know what his motivations may have been. And there's a lot of talk around the motivations of the Mothman. The Mothman was described as being between 7 and 15 feet tall, with bat-like wings spanning over 10 feet. Its eyes glowed red and were set low and wide. The top of its head seemed to be almost in line with its shoulders with those large eyes being set about shoulder length apart. So in a lot of the artwork that you'll find, he kind of has a head, but in a lot of the original descriptions, he kind of had the... Um, what's the character? Uh, I, it was an animated character that had like no... It, it was a Looney Tune. He had no head. Like he basically, his shoulders just went straight across and he had two eyes and a uh, mouth in it. I, I got him up on my uh, the thing. Not Tasmanian the, Devil, but no, the yeah, you know one. what I'm talking. Yeah, the orange yes. one. He has yeah, yeah. sneakers. Yeah, I actually have yeah. a beanie baby of him up up <laughs> up there. That's awesome. But that guy, <laughs> if you picture that yeah. guy in your head, like there's just no, there's no head. It's just shoulders. The top of its head seemed to be almost in line with its shoulders, with the large eyes being set about shoulder length apart. I already mentioned that its body was muscular, although incredibly slender. And it was covered in black, or it is covered in black or very dark brown gray mixture of scales and feathers. To get back to that sandhill crane thing, it's also about as tall as a human with a seven foot wingspan, and it features large circles of reddish coloring around its eyes. However, not only, as I mentioned earlier, would this bird being in this area be out of season when it was seen, but the sandbill crane is also not normal to that region at all okay it doesn't fly through the area it doesn't live in the area but you know and having a skeptical mind on these things is always safe but i I kind of feel that it sometimes takes a little bit of the magic out of it speaking of the magic out of it the mothman made it to magic didn't he isn't that a thing that's happening right now yeah um well by way of fallout 76 so they did they're doing all okay. these like universes beyond um so they're pulling in a lot of different properties you know cuz Hasbro and everything right they have Transformers they have Jurassic Park they just did um Lord of the Rings but Mothman um is now a Magic the Gathering card it's called like the Wise Mothman or something like that um but that universes beyond collab is coming out yeah so like in the game right he's this kind of benevolent little guy that gives you stuff um but i think now there's like mothmans that hurt you and mothmans that help you i don't know my partner played it he was telling me about this 
But I, uh, I actually yeah. completely forgot it, that Fallout 76 was like located in the West Virginia area yeah. until you said, I'm like, oh, that's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So do yeah, you know I was any- actually when you were talking about how it's an old area, I was I was running the lyrics. I was like, it, at some point in the West Virginia song, he says uh, the land is old here, older than the trees. Yes. Yeah. And like yeah. that that's a thing. It that's that's a good way to describe that. And like that's why it's so weird. Like it's unique mm-hmm. in that way. Like that's just an old, old mountain range. That's a well, very old part of the world. So so in the Mothman card, in the Mothman magic card, do you know anything about uh, so you said that it the, so the card gives you stuff and there's others that hurt you, or was that the game? Just to show us just type in, in like game. MTG Fallout Mothman and you'll see what the card does. I don't have it memorized off the top of my head. You're, you're a magic person, man. I know. I'm. I can't. There's hundreds of cards. Ten years ago, it was much easier. Yeah, you got the wise Mothman. Oh, yeah. He's the Sultai colors. Whenever he enters the battlefield or attacks, so they're doing something with the radiation with the rad. Um, and then milled means when you're taking cards off the top of your deck and throwing them in your graveyard. Um, so he's giving you counters and he's giving you like punching up your creatures and giving you counters. So he's doing fun stuff. The artwork on it's really cool too. Cause it looks mm-hmm. like a moth owl, Yeah, which I've never really seen like normal, like, like stereotypical Mothman art is either owl or moth mixed mm-hmm. with a man. I've never seen moth owl man art. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. I like it. They really honor it. All the interpretations of the Mothman. Super cool. So the Mothman is believed to be either a harbinger of doom or disaster, although some also see it more as a force meaning to warn of impending doom. And that would kind of get to what you were saying, the way that he's being used. He's either beneficial or he hurts you. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting how they're they're playing with all of it. Yeah. And if, uh, its appearance in Point Pleasant is said to have been a warning of the impending collapse of the Silver Bridge which connects West Virginia and Ohio. On December 15th, 1967, the last day the Mothman was reportedly seen in the area, the bridge collapsed during rush hour traffic, killing 46 people, making it one of the deadliest bridge disasters in U.S. history. Oh. And to make it like even more tragic, these were people on the bridge like with Christmas presents, and a lot of the firsthand accounts are like, presence oh. floating on the water as people are drowning because they're stuck in their cars oh that's yeah. horrible it was a really really bad disaster ever since the mothman has been associated with all sorts of other disasters including i would like to say but not limited to the bombing of residential apartment blocks in russia in 1999 the 9-11 attacks and the fukushima nuclear disaster these are all points where the mothman was spied or spotted Within a week or two, there were a, there was a, a flap or a cluster of sightings mm. right before it happened, um, and a flap is what they call a cluster of UFO sightings, and the Mothman is very associated with UFO is, activity. Is were the sightings near those places or just a lot in Point Pleasant? They the Mothman was sighted in those places. So the Mothman wow. was sighted in Russia before these bombings. He was sighted in New York by people mm. before nine eleven. And he was seen in Japan right before the Fukushima nuclear disaster. And the list really goes on. Like no. I could have spent a long time talking about this. I just kind of point, I just picked things 
and a couple of different like major things in a couple of different areas that we all know about. Um, so just question, were the sightings reported prior to the event? Yes. Or post? Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yes, it changes yes perspective and, a little bit. Right. Yes. And air quotes. Okay. Um, they're because, claiming that they were, yeah, but they're it's, claiming hard that to, they were. it's hard to prove that they weren't post. We have a tendency in like 2023 to very much look at things as like we get instantaneous news coverage and we get instantaneous mm -hmm. information. And it's right. weird and alien to think that during Fukushima, like that. which was only in 2011, 2012, it wasn't like that. But it right. wasn't. It wasn't quite that instantaneous yet. Um, yeah. The interesting thing about the residential apartment block attacks in Russia in 1999 is, do you guys know how part of it was thwarted? No. This is a really weird, random fact that I know. And it wasn't, it wasn't the one that made the news. It was one of the other ones. But one of the... Because that was the movie theater. That's the one that ended up on the news. Right. One of the people who had been radicalized, this, this gal who had been radicalized was going to her bomb site and she received a phone call on the phone that was linked to the bombs that oh, was wow. a um happy that was a happy birthday message and she forgot what? and answered the phone and the bomb went off when she was essentially in an area that like wasn't destructive so she like blew up in the middle of a field alone that's because, crazy yeah because somebody because somebody called her to give her like a happy birthday message and she for maybe, whatever reason, forgotten. Maybe, maybe the Mothman called trying to save people. Maybe. And that, that could also be an urban legend. I've just heard that reported a bunch and I thought it was kind of an interesting hmm. like little story. So anyway, it's currently believed that the Mothman lurks in the Midwest and in the Western regions of New England, returning to Point Pleasant quite often, waiting to unleash some other disaster or terror on those that cross it. Um, and there are different sightings. I can't remember what we call the Mothman that's seen in central Iowa, um, but there is a Mothman-like figure, which could also be a Thunderbird. We'll talk about Thunderbirds at some point. Uh, Thunderbirds are basically like giant like pterodactyls, essentially, mm -hmm. that can call lightning and thunder with their wings. They're, they're a Native American legend. But we have a Thunderbird slash Mothman that haunts one of the mining towns that is abandoned in central Iowa that had a bunch of disasters happen around it. And like, hmm. I want to say the 19, late 1970s, late 1980s around there. Um, he's very, very hard to find information on, though, because it's one of those like there's two news reports and like a 15 second destination oh, discovery blip. Yeah. Tracking down a lot of these stories that aren't super famous is really hard, and I love doing it. But it's literally like if you've ever seen one of those movies where where the the mom or the dad becomes really concerned because their kid is seeing ghosts, and then they go and they're like, "I need to see all the micro features on this this set of." That's literally what looking up some of this stuff is because no one's mm -hmm. put it online. Like you literally have to go to like I don't know Left Foot Iowa. And then mm -hmm. go to the library and then ask the librarian where like the news reports from 1960 are. And you have to read all wow. of them to find this mm. shit. I'd, I'd love that to be my job. Please listen to our podcast, Patreon us, and let me do weird research for the rest of my life. <laughs> or just buy us coffee. Uh, that works too. Please. All right, guys. So do you want to get into the sightings of Mothman and of course, Indrid Cold? Let's yeah, do it. yeah, because I'm going to have some questions and uh, some uh, 
some theories behind these uh people in the 60s <laughs> yep chuck's already like these guys are smoking the good guns oh yeah on november 15th 1966 two couples reported their sightings of the mothman to point pleasant police roger and linda scarberry and steve and mary mellett reported that they had seen a large black creature whose eyes glowed red while dr- out driving they had been out in the sticks on the land of an old TNT factory and munitions plant. And if you subscribe to us on Patreon, we do a video version of the podcast. And I actually have a picture of this TNT factory and munitions plant that was taken just about a year ago up on screen right now. This is the actual place. That's the actual like door. That yeah, this is the door to the facility. Yep. I, I, it's crazy. It just looks ah. like a random ass like bunker. Oh, yep. I I've watched a whole uh, show on this, and it's pretty. Uh, yeah, it's, one of there. It's pretty it's interesting. Intense. Yeah. So this area had since become since World War II had since become a mixture between kind of like a lovers' lane and a place that kids went out to throw rocks at old buildings. Um, okay. I feel like you guys should all know what those are. You teenagers go there to neck. Teenagers that don't have girlfriends go there to throw rocks through glass windows <laughs> yep. or at metal because it goes bang when you hit it with a rock. Yeah, exactly. they're done that. Both of those. <laughs> Linda Scarberry described it as a slender, muscular man of about seven feet tall. But because of its hypnotic red eyes, she was unable to determine race or any other features. The encounter spooked the couples and they sped away from the site with the creature flying after their car while it unleashed a terrible screeching drone. It gave up its pursuit at the city limits of Point Pleasant, but over the next several days, more sightings came in and the police developed a picture closer to what we now know as what the math mind looks like nowadays. Now, I did a little bit more research. When they say sped away, picture 1966 cars. Even when we talk about, even when you think about the bridge collapse, Mm -hmm. bridges, this bridge had been built before cars were really a thing. Ah, okay. okay. Really, really important to note. And cars at this point in the 1960s. Yeah, a lot of those covered bridges are just, they're from the wagon era. Yeah. And cars at this point were incredibly heavy. So when it comes to the bridge, think of rush hour traffic, bumper to bumper rush hour traffic during the holiday. So you've just jam-packed way too much weight onto the bridge and the bridge collapsed. It was just one of those things of failing infrastructure. Right. Uh, big old family wagons. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. like Chevys and stuff. And when it comes to this couple, this pair of couples speeding away from the TNT factory, you know, we think speeding away and we're like, oh, yeah, they're in one of them Teslas. They get that <laughs> no. like two, 2.8 inches to 90 miles an hour or 2.8 seconds to 90 miles an hour. And all that sound. This, this is this was probably like a 1955 Chevy Nova that got to like, you know, Zero to zero sixty and like, in twelve and like five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> down, down, and, and governor did sixty. Yeah, yep, downshifted <laughs> from three on the tree down to second, and then took off. Yeah, yep. yeah, exactly. If you're more skeptically minded and you think about owls, which are some of the slowest birds of prey, they're capable of flying at a relatively decent clip. They're not fast, but they're flying faster than we can run. So you're mm-hmm. still talking about yeah. an animal that can do like 35 miles an hour. And so speeding, silent. yeah. So speeding on a curvy road in the middle of nowhere could be 30 miles an hour, <laughs> like very realistically. Right. Oh yeah, because they're probably only dry. Their realistic speed was between 20 and 30 miles an hour because that exactly. car's not going around a country road corner. 
at 30 yeah. miles an hour. <laughs> and absolutely. You're slowing down and everything. <laughs> yeah. So, so an along, owl would easily outpace them. Yeah. And like, again, how owls make weird noises and they screech. So just from the skeptical side of things, I want to present both both cases, even though I like to believe that the Mothman is completely possible. I also oh, yeah. admit that the skepticism makes a lot of sense. <laughs> So like, I fire. really want there to be UFOs, but I fully yeah. acknowledge that you can see satellites when they catch mm -hmm. the light. It's, it's that <laughs> you know? it's that I want to believe poster in Fox Mulder's office. Yes. <laughs> I want to believe. Exactly. I, I don't really, believe. but I want to. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a man of science, but uh, I want to believe. <laughs> yes, exactly. So two firefighters reported something closer to a very large bird with glowing red eyes. And again, this would be more on the Thunderbird size. So think of like just an absolutely enormous bat-winged bird with red eyes. Then contractor Newell Partridge reported that he had shown his flashlight on a weird creature in his fields and its eyes glowed red like bike reflectors. And that was something that was reported a lot that the when headlights caught it, or when people went outside and shined a flashlight at it, that like hexagonal multifaceted reflection came back. And again, mm -hmm. like we've kind of seen that, like even in the Magic the Gathering card art, that's mm -hmm. sort of the way that the, the eyes are done. Additionally, Partridge blamed a buzzing sound that came from his TV, even when it was off, and the disappearance of his German Shepherd on the creature. The Mothman has been connected to UFO sightings since almost the beginning and also has made a connection to old military storage sites. So not only the TNT munitions factory we talked about earlier, but other ones as well. All told, somewhere close to 100 people made reports about the creature between 1966 and 1967. This would all be in Point Pleasant. And it's assumed that many more people probably had encounters and just never, never came forward. One of the things that's very, very common in UFO cases, very, very common in, in paranormal creature sightings and cryptid sightings and all sorts of wiggity shit is if there's like two reports, there's like 100 people who didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. If there's 100 reports, take that number out, essentially. like yep. they, they kind of always, at least the paranormal investigators always assume that there's much more stories and the police do too. Um, the police roll their eyes as to where the paranormal uh, investigators rub their hands together like they're little flies. You know when the flies do that thing where they rub their, their front yep. feet together like they're planning something? And you're like, you conniving little fuck, what are you planning on doing? And the fly's like, eating poo! Because that's the only thing it can think and of. And then landing on your face. <laughs> and, then, mm. and then giving you kisses. <laughs> I think we killed Marky. <laughs> Collectively, we all just like kept that going. Now he just can't hold it together. <laughs> So as an aside, it was also reported that many of these reports are fragmentary and even downright childish. So out of the hundred that we know, with only a few dozen containing enough details to seem plausible, folklorist Jan Harold Buravond notes similarities between Mothman and much older tales of folklore that came over from Europe or other places, suggesting that something actually did scare several people and that their real experiences became interwoven with these folk tales and these legends that they knew as they had time to kind of think about it before they made the report. Burvond also points out that a lot of these reports came from teenagers who were otherwise occupied, occupied at night that, in parked that, cars. That, that right there. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Yeah, lots of necking and uh, hands down uh, uh, over the pants, over the shirt activity, or over over the pants, under the shirt, whatever the hell they said in the 1960s. So Lot, Mo- lots of people Mothman, getting right? pinned. Mothman, yeah. Mothman, he's, or it's, has there ever been like a mangling? You know what I mean? Like a, like somebody actually been attacked by it? Right, right. Is there, there are, any? There are a couple of reports of people who do have like talon wounds. Um, and in a lot of cases, there was always like a very, like a very realistic, like, oh, well, this, this looks really bad. And obviously like you pissed something off, but we can tell by looking at it that you like tank, you, you pissed off the greater Western barn owl. Like it's always, it was almost always one of those things mm-hmm. like that, okay. the, you know, they measure the talon wounds and all that stuff. Um, however, there were several cars that the roofs were damaged that they didn't have explanations for. At least at the time. That's right, right. because they drove off the road Bears. too fast, and those big old trees screwed the roof up. It's gnar- gnarled yeah, that's up. totally plausible also. Goddamn Especially if it was like, convertible and it just like how, tore. How am I going to tell my dad that I just screwed dad. up his that freaking car? fucked up his brand new car. <laughs> yep. And not Listen. tell him. Not tell him the girlfriend was with me. Listen, if I wanted to CSI this, we would be watching. C- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, Why am I in this podcast with with one person who wants to believe just like me and and at least two Gil Grissoms? Emmy, I'm not sure where you fall yet. <laughs> we'll find out. Oh, I I I I, I want to believe. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, I, I like, get you. It's totally. I feel like thing. it's like an old guy with like a helmet. With like big red goggles and a paraglider, <laughs> and he's just fucking right. with kids that are he's just fucking yeah. with the kids because he knows yeah. they all are making going. out. <laughs> right? Yeah, he's, right? He's just the first gospeler. Like, it's probably Leave cold, room so for he wears Jesus, like kids. <laughs> right? Yeah. Christ is king. He like, he's then, got... but it sounds like a screech because he's going so right. fast. Yeah, oh, he's just that... got NVGs or some shit yeah, on. Here's. That that, <laughs> that that middle school dancing role where you have to keep a balloon between you and when you would ask why they'd be like that's where Jesus sits in the dance. That's all that's I can right. think of, I mean, it's your fault. It's your fault. You just yep. you just brought back memories from parochial school. Thank you. Oh man, <laughs> so many memories. Parents that are listening right now, if you want your kids to turn out like me, send them to parochial school. A bunch of parents yeah. just unenrolled their children from parochial school. <laughs> What's that? What's parochial school? Like cat, like Catholic academy or Christian school? I was gonna say Private school. like like a parochie. Isn't that something you eat? That a parochie like paro- is a Polish like potato. A parochial <laughs> school is a private, uh, the usually teach religious. They teach I you how to parogies. peel potatoes. Is that what was going they on? Do. No. They do. They do. One hundred. That that is a thing in parochial school. Maybe there's a lot more to do with pierogies than I realized. Yeah, that's what you do if you get caught kissing. Oh yeah, yeah. let's talk about this creepy dude. This so is the guy no. that's flying around in goggles and a paraglider right. telling at kids about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. No it's all about purity culture. M- <laughs> <laughs> no tale of the Mothman would be complete without bringing up Indrid Cold, also known as the Grinning Man. Probably the biggest UFO slash Mothman link comes from this humanoid entity, whom also has a possible connection to the Men in Black. When he was first encountered, he appeared to be over six foot tall, wearing a green reflective suit with a black belt. 
He was described as having small beady eyes that were set far apart, no nose, no ears, and no hair. Hmm. The second time he was encountered, yeah, right? It was in the blue reflective suit, but he appeared with much more human-like facial features, sporting slick back, black hair. He also had a nice tan, although he wasn't too dark, and he wore a coat over his suit. For the record, I don't believe that these reports mean like a Mylar spacesuit or something that you would see on an alien. I'm pretty sure, having read a couple of the snippets, that they mean more like a weirdly reflective business suit. Like, Interesting. Think of a. It's got a sheen on. I like it. the way you look, and then there's an opalescent sheen yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> got, it's got a little sheen. Some to cyberpunks it. nonsense. I'm gonna walk into the men's warehouse one day and be like, "Take me to the injured cold section, please." <laughs> by the most obscene shiny suit I can. I can see like an Adidas X Mothman collab where they make like a tracksuit for this guy. <laughs> And then they get Jonathan Davis to wear a music video. (laughs) Yes. It's perfect. It's perfect. I'm picturing it now. (laughs) Adidas, Men's Warehouse, Corn, or uh, what was the other one you said? (laughs) If any of you would like to sponsor the website, the the podcast, you can reach us at... That'll be that'll be the weirdest pull. Literally, our first sponsor is Jonathan Davis. I'd be like, "What happened? What what happened?" <laughs> I mean, I How guess did when we you, get here? I guess when you shoot for Henry Cavill, sometimes you land in the corn. You know, mm-hmm. come on, guys, that was funnier than y'all treated it. That Mark, was he's laughing, good. but he's doing it silently. <laughs> I'm so, I'm sorry. <laughs> So, Indrid Cold was first encountered on October 16th, 1966, by Martin Muvau and Haim Yachis in New Jersey. They were walking down 4th Street when these two young boys spotted the surreal figure standing and leaning against a fence post. They reported that he was in a green metallic suit and that his face was split by an ever-present and creepy-ass grin. Honestly, a lot of the reports of this immediately made me think of G-Man from Half-Life, the original Half-Life. But yeah. instead of that like scowl, just imagine a rictus grin every time mm-hmm. he talked to you, <laughs> which would have been worse. It, yeah, so much worse. Like, G-Man was creepy, but like not unnerving. He's just creepy. Yeah. Yeah. If he had a this, weird grin, it would have pushed it. In addition to the way he talks. Yeah. Oh man, I love the way G-Man talks. Like he's almost his own cryptid in the uh, gaming world. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, right? The man ended up chasing the boys who later recalled his terrifying lack of ears, nose, and hair. So this wasn't something that they said they noticed originally. It was something that they noticed when they were giving <laughs> details to like a police sketch artist. And this is this is near the Mothman area that they find him. This yeah. is in New Jersey. Yeah, this is in New Jersey not... about a month before, so it's not really okay. that close. But but wait for it. Wait I'm for it. There, there's yeah, a path. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a path. While it's normally accepted that this was the first sighting of Indrid Cold, the Grinning Man could be a completely different entity. So there is a little bit of speculation that this Grinning Man is not Indrid Cold. It's just kind of widely accepted that this is the first sighting of Indrid Cold. The second encounter happened on November 2nd, 1966 in Parksburg, West Virginia. And if you want to pull up a map, you can actually start to draw a line between all of these places going towards Point Pleasant in Ohio. Because remember, 
New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. Mm -hmm. We're not, I mean, we're talking about a couple of states. So about a month later, three states over, two states over, he's seen. This was also 13 days before the first Mothman sighting, November 2nd. Mm. Widrow Derenberger was driving along Interstate 77 when he heard a crash, and then an unidentified vehicle appeared and landed before his truck. Woodrow described the vehicle as an old-fashioned kerosene lamp chimney, flaring at both ends, narrowing down to a small neck, and then enlarging into a great bulge there in the center. The grinning man then exited the vehicle and walked up to Woodrow, telepathically introducing himself as injured Colt. It was Woodrow who described him as being tan and looking much more human, with the blue suit this time instead of the green suit. He told Woodrow that he meant him no harm and just wanted to know more about the human race. He also said that he would be back to visit many more times in the future. After this first encounter, Woodrow stated that Cold also told him that he was from the planet Lunosis and the galaxy of Ganymedes. Ganymedes. Ganymedes? Ganymedes. What the fuck? Ganymedes. I didn't know he had telepathic... Okay, that's fun. If you go back and watch the movie The Mothman Prophecies, Indrid Cold plays a huge part in it. Oh, okay. Um, which, which might be one of the reasons that he's wrapped up in all of this nowadays. Oh, the third encounter happened in Point Pleasant right around the same time. So just a couple of days or within the same range of days that Woodrow would have seen him, kind of think of. The Lilly family reported poltergeist activity within their home, including diamond-shaped lights, red eyes, buzzing, and the local dogs and cats acting erratic. Kind of pretty stereotypical poltergeist activity in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Linda Lilly, the daughter of the family, reported waking from a dead sleep one night to a man standing above her bed. And we have a quote from her. It was a man, a big man, very broad. I couldn't see his face very well, but I could see he was grinning at me. He walked around the bed and stood right over me. I screamed again and hid under the covers. When I looked again, he was gone. Man, fuck that. Right. It's commonly believed that Indrid is an alien entity, and he has been spotted in connection with a lot of UFO activity. And it's also been suggested that he is just one of a species of shape-shifting aliens that takes on the shape of the so-called Grinning Man. However, other theories range from poltergeist activity to pranks gone too far. One report by the police even suggested that Linda Lilly was actually visited by a deranged human man. So it was just a psychopath who had gotten into the house. Fun. Yeah. Which, which could happen because when you actually watch shows of like serial killers and wackadoos back in this time era. Oh yeah. Happened all the fucking things. time. Yeah. That's really yeah, they yeah, just, true, like, get into true crime from back in the day. Sleep and shit. Mm -hmm. Whatever the case, Indrid Cold became wrapped up in the Mothman sightings, and his story and importance may have only been magnified by his role in the 2002 Mothman Prophecies movie. As a bit of a teaser, Tiana Drarenberg mentions in her book that Indrid Cold might also have been known as Valiant Thor, who spent three years at the Pentagon. For those of you who know your alien lore, Valiant Thor is a name he will probably get his own, if not his own, multiple episodes. But those are tales of the men in black, and they are for another time. So how is this guy, the injured cold guy, tied to the Mothman? It's weird. A lot of people claimed to have seen injured cold, 
in the investigations in the mm. like 1968, 1969 range after all the Mothman stuff had happened. So he really? wasn't really reported during the Mothman stuff. But when investigators came out later, so so like people would see weird Mothman stuff, they would go tell the police. Then when the investigators, the, the paranormal guys came out, not when the police followed up, when the oh, paranormal the investigators oh, okay. came out mm. after the event and interviewed people, people started bringing up Indrid Colt. They were so like, Indrid and also Colt, around that time, I saw this guy. It's kind of right. weird. Yeah. So he's kind of more attached from a folklore position. It's actually, depending on who you talk to, what Mothman authority you talk to, mm -hmm. they either prescribed Indrid Cold being a very, very important piece, or they say that he has nothing to do with it. And it's just people adding. Like, mm -hmm. it's one of those weird cases where people who believe in a weird paranormal thing are like, yeah, yeah, the Mothman's real, but Indrid Cold, <laughs> that's so, a bunch of hokum. And you're like, really? That's where you drew the line. Yeah. Because so I don't. <laughs> the research you did, though, like, is there a pattern at all to show that it's like, well, we talked to these people, then we talked to these people, and these people, like, you know, say they, they talked to the original four or the original two couples. And they Did they mm -hmm. bring him up at all? No. Oh, interesting. None of the original couples brought him up, but the, the Lily family, who also had experiences with the Mothman, brought him up. The Lily family had experiences with both the Mothman and so, Indrid Cold. And then as how, you track the Indrid Cold sightings, they move from New Jersey closer and closer to Point Pleasant. Now, hmm. the, the, the skeptical believers' thoughts are that all of these sightings of injured cold are actually just of a species of alien that take on this continents when they interact with humans. They ah, shape shift to look so like, like this. So it's the not the same men. person. Yes. So it's not the mm -hmm. same person. Okay. But the people who believe in the injured cold theory and his connection to the Mothman state that it was him and that he was drawn to Point Pleasant and interacted with the Mothman specifically. Well, interesting. Well, hear me out. The reason I brought him up is because if you go out and you read, or if you watch, not read, if you watch any documentary about the Mothman, they will bring up Indrid Cold. Interesting. Okay. So, so the one, the one show I've seen that I really like watching, and I wish they had more episodes on stuff. They actually went here to Point Place. They went to that uh, TNT factory. Now, the interesting oh. thing, I don't know if you saw it in your research, Ryan, but that building, they had a map, an official map of that entire area. So the TNT factory had a special area, like it had different military sections. Maybe it's on one of those. But then there's the section hmm. it shows that was for special research, and that's one of yeah. the other theories. Yeah, it was a big is facility. Mothman is one of those experiments gone wrong. So now that you bring up Ingrid Cold, maybe the weird thing is, he's actually the Mothman. He came back for his suit. Ah, ooh. To dip a little bit into what the men in black are, so um, obviously there is a set of famous movies called Men yeah. in Black eh. that kind of go along this idea of like a government agency that deals with hiding the existence of aliens, yada, yada, yada. So that is actually based on the actual theory of Men in Black. However, if you've ever seen the show Fringe that has the Watchers mm -hmm. in it, that's way closer to what the Men in Black are from folklore. So the Men in Black 
appear to be government agents, just like Indrid Cold appears to be a man. Mm-hmm. They always show up around weird alien stuff and they generally do something to either observe or contain alien phenomena, but not in a protecting us from, more in a protecting themselves from. So like men in black aren't m- people that work for the CIA who have a neuralizer. Men in black are aliens who are specifically working against humanity to make sure that we don't believe aliens exist the men in black as far as like folklore are considered are way darker so the fact that the mothman is largely considered to be a ufo related sighting supports the idea of indrid cold being a proto men in black or a men in black a man in black existing and being around to sort of contain yeah the The mothman phenomena yeah, essentially. Phenomena. Do, 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 do. But I know the map you're talking about. I actually, uh, I tried to find it's it. This is yeah. it, by the way, but it is when, super small. Yeah. When I, when I watched the show and they went to that place, it's like they, they went in, I think, to that bunker you keep showing that's that the water's in front of. I think there were a couple yeah. bunkers. And that's a very small part of the facility. It's just, yeah. It just happened to be a it, picture that you can find really easily. It, and the crazy part was when they went in there, it was literally a step back in time. Like oh. you could tell nobody had been in that in that that specific place in d- decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just pulled up another picture of another part of that same facility. Yeah. Oh, that's so creepy. It wasn't just like a bunker out in the middle of a hill. It was an entire munitions packing plant. It was a huge base. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why people went out there. You know, it's it's a good place to take a date and you you freak her or him out a little bit. And then you get a couple of kisses and, and a couple of cuddles. And then everything's going well. And then all of a sudden there's a giant mothman that's like, what are you doing in my soul? <laughs> Leave room for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. the new headcanon that it's just a drunk hobo who's like, excuse me, you have a minute to talk about our Lord and Savior. Leave room for Jesus. <laughs> yeah, the Ingrid soul. That one's, that one's interesting. That one. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's. Ingrid Cold is an interesting Ingrid figure. Cold. That's. Okay. If any of this is interesting, now now I'll state this right off the bat. The Mothman Prophecies from 2002 isn't a great movie. It has some nostalgia for me in it just because of when I, I saw it, like when it was released and it was one of my first like, oh, mm-hmm. people other than me talk about cryptids. It's an interesting-ish movie. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend going and watching it. Just don't, don't expect uh, Francis mm-hmm. Ford Coppola or, you know. Not Francis Ford Coppola. Who's the guy? Oh, my God. My brain doesn't work. Martin Scorsese. Don't expect Mm -hmm. a multi-layered Martin Scorsese. uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio shoots himself in the head at the end because Leonardo DiCaprio figures out that Leonardo DiCaprio has infiltrated the mob to report on the police activities of Leonardo DiCaprio. And then you're like, what the fuck? Why is Matt Damon here? I don't know what's going on. It's not that layered and complex of a story. (laughs) (laughs) Matt Damon. <laughs> Wait, Leonardo DiCaprio was Matt Damon all along? But Man, no, who was John Malkovich? I mean, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> who was John Malkovich? <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure Ryan will get that joke. I don't think anybody else is going to hear that. spit out on the that. side of the Jersey tar- turnpike. 
So as we mentioned up top, we jumped around a little bit in our original Loris Obscurus planned timeline, making sure that we could get you guys an episode on the Mothman during the 57th anniversary of his first sightings. Don't worry, he is a good primer as we get ready to look into the haunted region of the Appalachian Mountains and the Ozarks. Emmy, thanks for joining us as a guest today. Where can people find you online? Inter- interact with your art, look at your miniatures, all that great stuff. You can find me at Coral Pecan on TikTok, Instagram, Discord, Instagram threads, and YouTube shorts. Only fans. <laughs> no, no, no. Is that you can? Is that where people can find you? <laughs> I someday, perhaps nothing. there will be some Patreon content. <laughs> I, the, I really didn't Warhammer think so. that's a little too I grim dark. To <laughs> uh, spicy. I mean, that, Did you see the one I posted in the Meme Hammer earlier? <laughs> that was. Well, I mean, only OnlyFans is where I post all of my toe content, where I love rub like mayonnaise and marinara <laughs> sauce between my toes, real slowly. Hey, everybody's got a thing. <laughs> oh my oh, sriracha! Oh, yeah, spring Spicy of that sriracha. toe action. <laughs> if you have a freaky tale, a spooky dookie of your own, or an ordo obscurus file you want to share with us, you can reach us by email at underthehiveofmadness at gmail.com. You can also join our community on Discord. There you can join conversations about lore, hobby, tactics of Warhammer 40k, and much more, including Age of Sigmar, Magic the Gathering, role-playing games, video games, and even more than that. Find us on Facebook or, or Instagram, uh, or you can also go to www.underthehiveofmadness.com. Help our podcast grow by liking and reviewing us wherever you get your podcast fix. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, and also many more. You can support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash underthehiveofmadness. All Patreon members get access to a video podcast with minimal editing, so you can see our lovely and beautiful faces. And also hear all of the times we completely forget what the fuck the English language is. All Patreon levels also get access to our quarterly paying contest. Plus, we have perks at higher levels, including monthly giveaways. So go on over and check that out. For those of you wondering what our newest giveaway is, we are working on more merch. We're working on some hats. We'll try to update you when we have some more information. There will be a slight delay on uh, November's giveaway just because I will be in China. So we'll probably be doing it in December. Um, So sorry about that, guys. But uh, hopefully we'll be able to do maybe two in December, one in January, or one in December, two in January. We'll make up for it. We promise. Uh, By the way, Kev, you wanted to know what that giant statue outside of City Hall looked like? I just brought up a picture. Well, that's horrifying. I like the chest hair. That's different. Right. (laughs) The I'm chest snakes. The same thing. They look like chest snakes. I'm just gonna put it, it out there. It looks like a bunch of little worms pouring out, and like the neck muscle, like tendon things are creepy. I like how they give them an eight pack, right? right. Or six pack, six and a half pack. <laughs> There's so big ass pecs. Like damn, <laughs> Superman would be jelly. <laughs>
Bexy's Flack and Jack, your source for all things grinding, gyrating, pulsing, and throbbing. Uh, oh, uh, wait, this might be the ad read for the Karastis Weapon Manufactorum on sublevel. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Bexy's Flack and Jack, home of the all you can eat sump fish and burger buffet. Two creds a plate and five creds for a pony barrel of Devil's Comet Amasek. Get them while the supplies last. Mmm. Now with Chocolate Fountain. <laughs> oh, God, and it, it was enough a cheese fondue fountain. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually uh, like where, sacred oil, but, you know. I know. I know where I'm sticking <laughs> remember, my meat then. No, remember, no matter what a Bexy's dancer tells you, there is absolutely no fondue in the champagne room. <laughs> Ew. Overgrown mutant rats may not be the only unwholesome creatures roaming these treacherous domains. Stay alert. Keep your blades at the ready, for we are the defiant denizens of the Rebel Vox Wave. 665.66UHMOC Camrat Radio. Reminding all of you Camrats, hive mice, and sump ghoulies to keep those dials fixed right here. Same ratty frequency for a dose of the same ratty-ass attitude. With his compound glowing eyes, maybe it's a hive owl. Maybe it's a sump crane. Maybe it's a four-armed emperor. Either way, he's here to make sure those kids save room for the big E. <laughs> Remember to read your Leviticus Divinito, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, good stuff, guys. That was good, yeah. Yeah.